Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Ariel Hawani, back with another edition of DC and Hawani. And oh my gosh, do we have a lot to talk about coming off Saturday night. Khabib Nurmagomedov's big win, of course, his retirement after the win. But first, I do want to tell you about season two of the ESPN Investigates podcast, which is now available. The Running Man tells the story of an obscure former Olympian and alleged serial sexual predator and how a 14-month ESPN investigation brought him out of the shadows. More than 50 men were physically abused and mentally manipulated by their quote-unquote coach for over 40 years till they banded together decades later to find justice. Subscribe and listen now to ESPN Investigates wherever you get your podcasts. And for listeners of this program, DC and Helwani, as always, listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Now making their way to the microphone, DC and Helwani. I love John Gooden. He's, He's like best bow ties in the game. Good night. Good morning from Abu Dhabi on Fight Island. Here's Daniel Cormier and Ariel Helwani. Back in your life on this fourth week of October 2020. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition of DC and Helwani. That's DC, Daniel Cormier. I'm Helwani Ariel. I don't know. I don't know ever if you point in the right direction. I think you point in the wrong direction every single week. I forget because when I do my interviews on Wednesday, it's the opposite side. So did I get it right? I don't even well, know so, if you can. So you, I have no, let me tell you something. I have no idea. I mean, I show up here to talk. You know, I bring the golden voice. I bring the golden voice of the octagon to Monday's show to just talk. I don't know where I sit. I don't know where I stand. I'm just over here filled with so much of this Khabib energy that I'm exploding here. Okay, so this might be my most anticipated show mm-hmm. of our brief DC and Hawani era. Let's just tell the people very quickly what you've been through. You landed in Las Vegas at around 4 a.m. Pacific mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And I got here. Four. Brief nap, and I hear you are ready to go. I mean, you just came from Abu Dhabi. This is the consummate pro in front of us right now. Daniel Cole called the fights. The mascot of Fight Island, who was just there for two <laughs> weeks, is in Vegas, has yet to see his family, and still says, no, I need to pay homage to my friend. How about that? Well done. Hey, I'm all in, Ariel. I'm all in, right? You talked about me having one foot out, one foot in. I'm all in. You know, I, I got off the plane, took about 30 to 40 minutes to get the, the bags, got the bags, got to the hotel, quick nap, because I watched a little TV, right? I slept a lot on the plane up now ready to go i mean i've been up for an hour just waiting sitting right in this spot there's a couch there's a bed there's a tv i turned nothing on i sat in front of an empty computer screen waiting for you guys to get me on the zoom call so we could do the show and by the way the nap was it before or after you were telling everyone of the uh the fake 47 yard field goal that you hit and the, the that's bs goal. hey that's that's true <laughs> I mean, there was multiple camera angles of this story that you were telling people. Everybody's out of their mind because they don't buy into the athlete that is Daniel Cormier. Listen, on every media tour, I did something fantastic. I threw a 50-yard touchdown pass at the Buffalo Bills practice facility. The the UFC's PR guy was getting guarded by Anthony Johnson. I told the guy the route to run. 50 yards in the air, drop it in the basket, touchdown. At the Saints facility, I kicked a 47-yard field goal. Ask Rosendo Sanchez and Chris Costello. They will both tell you 47 yards. Rosendo was my holder at the Saints practice facility. I once shot six for 10. Stop it. Three-point line at the Atlanta Hawks basketball facility. I'm trying to tell you. And I also beat Stipe in hockey. There is nothing this guy can't do. I mean, that one I remember. I have, but I have video of all this. I've, I've put it on my Instagram, the perfect athlete, go to the perfect athlete on my Instagram. Back in the day, I am doing every single sport known to man and I'm doing it at a pro level. So when Walt Harris and, and Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler are all laughing, when I, because I say people have told me when I was at the bills facility, the coach walks up and goes, Hey DC, when I see you in the pocket, you look like a young Brett Favre. I mean, in, in his okay, absolute let's prime. Let's chill. Let's chill. Abs- no, let's they tell chill. me that I look like a young Brett Favre in his absolute prime. The way I gunner. All right. Well, enough about that. DC, we would be remiss if mm-hmm. we don't start off talking about 
the great Khabib Nurmagomedov. Mm-hmm. What a scene it was on Saturday in Abu Dhabi. You just got back, UFC 254 in the books. Khabib retains his title and then he vacates the title. He retires, he shocks us all. We thought maybe he'd make it to 30. He says, no, I'm done at 29. I promised my mother that I would not continue without my late father, Abdulmanap, so I'm done. What an emotional scene. I said it was reminiscent of Michael Jordan after winning the championship in 1996, following the passing of his father on Father's Day, no less, crying uncontrollably. It was very reminiscent of that, in my opinion. So we have so much to dissect here, so much to discuss about his future and his legacy and the 155 title. But could I just ask you this right off the bat? This this is a very good friend of yours. You were calling his fight for the very first time 48 hours later, and you could take this answer whichever way you want. How do you feel? Because I was emotionally like drained after that. How do you feel about what you witnessed witness 48 hours later? I mean, I was I was I was almost brought to tears sitting at the commentary desk watching him sob in the middle of the octagon. And then as he was announced his retirement, you looking at you look at the eyes of of Javier and Rizvan and all the guys everybody's in tears, right? Because they understand that this is real, right? Habib doesn't lie. Habib doesn't play. I'm retired and I'm coming back. He just, if he said, if his mom didn't want him to compete without his dad, I get it, right? That was, this was their thing together. From a, from a young kid, everybody did all these tributes last week. John Anik did an essay that was out of this world, read a poem for Habib and his father. This was their thing together. And if he is now the head of that household and he has to take care of his family, I get it, man. I get it. I was so emotional. I was so, I was taken back, but I was very sad, but I was happy. Um, and I was happy that he, he competed in the way that he did, but also him having that weight of everything and, and getting through it in the, you know, right after his dad has passed away and doing it in such dominant fashion. I was happy for him, man. So happy for my book, my guy. Did you know he would retire with a victory? No, no. I didn't tell you. No, he didn't tell. He didn't tell us. He did not say anything. He didn't tell me anything. I saw him multiple times over the week. I was asking him about the training camp, asking him about how everything went. And obviously we had known of some underlying things that, that happened in the buildup, which only added to how, how nervous um, I was for him as he went in there. But if you know Habib Nurmagomedov, he prepared himself to go out there and get the victory. And that's exactly what he did. Okay, so you knew about the broken toe? Yeah, and there were all, there were there were a litany of issues. There were so many more outside of just the toe. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean there was an, there was an issue early in camp that had him sidelined for almost four weeks and nothing. You know there were there were a number of things that he did he went through uh, over the camp that really did uh, hinder him. But I guess right at the end of camp he started to look like himself uh, last few weeks and he knocked it out of the park. So was there any point where you thought maybe he wouldn't make it to the fight? No, I knew he was going to fight. I knew it just meant too much, but I knew that it could be potentially a tough fight, you know, tougher than expected originally. But he just showed, man, that even in the most, you know, in an unideal circumstance, he is still able to uh, distance himself from this division. Is that why he was so relieved when he made weight? Because obviously when you have a broken toe, it's hard, hard to, to run. run. It's hard to do everything. It's right. hard to do everything. I mean, but think about this though. If Habib has dealt with injuries over the training camp, that means that he's not training as much as he probably would want to. This is a guy that's big. He has to make weight. He has to, he suffers and struggles to get the weight down. And if he, if he's not able to train effectively, how do you get it done? So yeah, it was a massive weight off of his shoulders when he got on the scale at 155 pounds. All right. So now let me ask you this. And I know I'm kind of peppering you, but like the world, I, I feel like I'm asking these questions on behalf of the world because everyone mm-hmm. wants to know what you think about the whole situation. Do you think this is really it for him? Because we all know about retirements MMA, but he seems a little bit different and his reasons certainly feel a lot different in your heart of hearts to see him at his prime looking so good and dominant mm-hmm. 32. Do you really think he walks away at 29 and L? So here's the problem. When Habib says, Guys, this is my last fight, right? When he was taking the gloves off, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, wait a minute. He's taking them off or is he retired? Like, what's he doing? And I thought when John Anik, who picked up one, I didn't know, right? Because it was so, that's so left field for me. Because I've always heard 30 and 0, 30 and 0, 30 and 0. So to see him taking off the gloves, Anik picks up on it. I'm like, wow, he's actually retiring. I was like, well, I don't know what this means. Maybe it's some sort of contract too, because didn't Henry Cejudo's retirement feel like a contract negotiation? But when Habib said, I spoke to my mother and I promised her this would be the last one. She did not want me to do this without my father. 
when he said that and he said, I give my word and it's the only thing I have, I was like, it's done. He's never lied to me, right? Maybe he has, you know, messed around. We've had fun. We've played jokes. We've done a lot of things. But the one thing he doesn't do is lie. And I don't think he would lie to his mother, um, especially in the face of what they're dealing with as a family. And you don't think maybe two years they present him with some dream fight or something and he says, okay, let me get to that round number. You know, mm-hmm. right now, I guess the best answer, correct me if you feel otherwise, the best answer is probably is right now he's retired. You never know in sports, right? Especially when you're dealing with a great, like when Jordan retired, I think a lot of people thought, all right, that's it. And then he eventually came back mm-hmm. the first time, right? In 93. Right now, do you believe it 100%? Yeah. But maybe you're opening the door or do you think it's, this is it. He will never come back. No ifs, ands, or buts. Bro, I I believe it. I believe that he's done because we had a conversation yesterday. We were on the phone for an hour talking about stuff. Sunday. Sunday. We had it. We were on the phone for an hour talking about stuff. And immediately uh, it was, how does Islam become champion now? Right. It was, it wasn't, it was, Islam has to be the champion now. And then we spoke about the things that I think Islam needs or how I believe he can help him outside of just physical to get to, to the championship, right? Because if you've seen Islam Makhachev in the gym, he's much better than he has shown inside the octagon. So how does he make those things come together to essentially fight as Habib has? Has a lot of the same skills, um, and his stand-up is fantastic. So when Habib starts to talk about that, that tells me that that championship reign in the belt, that's not really what's on his mind anymore he was in like pain afterwards, like from the cry. It was hard to watch, you know, and, and knowing the reasons I said it on Twitter, I wanted to run home to Montreal. I haven't seen my, my parents in almost a year because of coronavirus. And I just wanted to hug them watching that. Yeah. The moment where he said to Justin, you know, love your parents. Cause you don't know what happens tomorrow. Like it really hit me in the heart. And so I'm just wondering on Sunday, what was he like? Like, was he still sad? Was he still in pain? Was he happy? Relief. I felt like it was, it was relief. He felt relieved. I, I, I've i never seen this man, like, sound so relieved, right? And wow. every conversation is on FaceTime, right? These guys don't talk on the phone. It's on FaceTime so I can see him and read his expressions. And he had some interesting things to say about his future, his his uh, the impact he's going to have going forward, his ideas of what he wants to see uh, for the rest of the guys at AKA. He asked about, uh, the, all the Russian guys, obviously, Umar. We talked about Umar, you know, Usman. We talked about Islam and, and Zuba. But he also talked about Kyle Crutchmer and Deron Wynn. And he talked about all the young guys at AKA and talked about how we help these guys be who they're supposed to be to ensure that AKA stays as it's always been. Because for the last decade, we have held some portion of the UFC championship with at least one guy. That can't change. It's been Title fight after title fight, right? From Kane winning it to, to losing it to JDS in 11, then winning it in 12, holding it to 15. Then I was the champion in 15. Luke was the champion in 15. Uh, I held the belt until 19. I had some portion of the belt till 19. Habib became champion 19. And now Habib's the champ today in 2020. So for 10 years, we've had title fights coming out of the American Kickboxing Academy. And he was very interested in how we get that next crop of guys to continue that um history that we've all built so and worked so hard to build not to correct you but habib actually won the belt in 18 18 habib won it in 18 right yeah 18 habib won it still stands yeah yeah the point still stands right so for 10 years we've had a ufc title fight and we don't want that to change quick uh side note here i was going to ask you about this but since you bring it up now are you're you're the captain you're the face even though you recently retired, are you worried about like, cause you say this has been an incredible decade for AKA, but there's no one who's about to fight for the belt. There are guys coming up. Islam probably most mm-hmm. notable, but mm-hmm. you know, when we went from Fitch, Koscheck, Swick era, you and, and Kane and Luke were right there. And then Habib came the, the four horsemen. It doesn't feel like that, that group is there just mm-hmm. yet. Are you worried about the next wave of AKA guys? I think that we have guys, right? I think the guys that we have just don't stand out as much as the ones that took over after that first generation. But there are some fantastic Russian fighters um, that are coming out of AKA alongside the guys that we have, you know, like Crutchmer and and Duran and Nick Piccinini. And um, we've got a number of fantastic young athletes and also more wrestlers uh, coming into the gym. You know, Usman Nurmagomedov just signed with Bellator. I guess he's a phenom. Uh, Umar is still fantastic. But I believe that our best chance right now is going to be Islam because he's already on his way into the top 10. And it feels like 
he is what Kane was as Kane was making his way into uh, championship contention. So I believe Islam Makhachev is the next guy. And um, I think that's where a lot of the energy needs to go, especially as he gets ready or uh, hopes to get his scheduled uh, fight on the horizon soon. So you mentioned the word relieved, and I'm reminded of some famous moments in UFC history where we saw greats like Anderson Silva and and Demetrius Johnson and even GSP to a degree after the Hendricks fight where they said, you know what, I'm done and I feel pretty good about this. I'm relieved. Now, Habib was champion for only two and a half years, but the immense pressure that is on him from Russia, from the Middle East, from his team and his people, like this guy is true. I mean, like he's a leader, right? Yeah, yeah. You feel like it's just got to, like it's a pressure cooker being a UFC champion. You know better than most. Do you feel like he's just like, this is, I I just don't want any, like it's it's fine. I'm good with it. No, I don't think, I don't think that's what it is. I just, I really think it's a personal decision based on who they are as a family. I don't think the pressure of being a UFC champion ever was, it's, I don't think it's that hard for Habib. The fame, right? That's the fame that he has now. You know, Saturday when he was going in the, the car barricade or the car, what is it called? A car, whatever that stuff's called? Uh, caravan. The motorcade, the motorcade, right? right? As they're all going, um, John said something about Habib being a, 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 a worldwide celebrity. And I said, not in the world, but in this region. I misspoke. I was trying to say not only in this region, but around the entire world. Yeah. Right. Habib Nurmagomedov is a star at levels that none of us can really comprehend. He cannot go outside in his village to just go to the grocery store. He cannot go to Moscow and just walk around freely. I think a lot of times as time will pass, he will be able to enjoy that a little bit more. But the pressures of being champion never got to this man. This man continued to train and be as committed as he's always been. And, and, and this is another thing I told him yesterday. I go, where people see you got better, what they never understood is I saw in you, the maturity was maturing in terms of his ability to prepare. I've never seen someone like this. His ability to prepare and get ready was something that was unmatched. And that is where Habib got better more than just skills, mentally and in his preparation. How difficult was it to call the fight? It was hard. Calling the fight was hard, Ariel, because I want to do nothing but cheer for him. And as I was sitting there next to the octagon, he was walking right in front of me and he made eye contact with me like three times. And he, you know, he just kind of was like winking and smiling like it's okay. Right. Because I know everything that's happened. So it's like, he's like, it's okay. You know, he goes, I looked at you, DC, and it looked like you were so nervous. But the reality is I was okay. Right. And my foot was like jumping. It made me nervous because I've never been in that position before. But I wanted to be fair to Justin because Justin's a fantastic guy and fighter himself. Let the record show, by the way, that if this, in fact, is it for Habib as far as active competition, his last words in the cage were, <laughs> DC, I love you, brother. Yeah, that's, was, uh, that was nice, man. It was nice. He's my guy, man. Like, we all have great relationships in this gym. You know, it was like a love fest last weekend. Me and King Velasquez were texting each other about how much we miss. I mean, it's just the whole world is 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 changing for all of us. And the one person that I would like to go into his mind right now is Javier Mendez. Like, could you imagine what Javier Mendez is feeling right now? Within the last three years, King Velasquez is retired. I've retired, and Habib Nurmagomedov has retired. Like, that's a big, big spot for a coach and a coaching staff. Like, what are these guys feeling? Him and Bob and and Leandro and, and what are these guys feeling right now as all these athletes that security is all kind of going away yeah they'll be okay it's like a championship team there's maybe a rebuilding phase but you have a very nice foundation there, led by Islam who I think is phenomenal mm-hmm. um and you've got some other guys American guys too and and, and the name will attract people from all over the yes. world uh, by the way that car ride scene that they did I loved Fantastic. it it felt like HBO boxing bro it was awesome that's why I was HBO. trying to like that's what I was trying to do, Ariel. When it, when he was going, I had so many thoughts in my mind that it, I misspoke, right? Because I'm no, all week I spoke about who Habib was to the world, and I cannot believe I said that. I almost undersold him, and I want to apologize to him for that. But the reality is when I went back and I said, 
They're all the boys are heading here, you know, led by Javier Mendez. I set the scene. Then talk about what's the champ feeling right now. You know, he's three fights to his. He's gonna get in. He's gonna wrap his hands. He's gonna warm up and he's gonna go to work. I it just felt like a big, big moment. And even talking about it now, I'm kind of getting goosebumps because it was so fantastic. Yeah, they did a, a great job. Um, now, okay, so we talked about the retirement. I want to talk about in a bit, you know, the future of the division, but can we actually talk about the fight? Yeah, because I know, he, right? You see, I think that was we're 20 minutes in. I think that was his best performance in the UFC, considering oh. the guy he fought and and everything he's been through leading up to this fight and even the injuries, to put that kind of pressure on Justin. And you remember, after the Ferguson fight, I said to you, if that Justin Gaethje shows up, I think he has a chance. Well, that Justin Gaethje may have showed up on Saturday, but Khabib is so good and so <laughs> dominant that he made him look like the old Justin Gaethje, just throwing reckless punches and all that stuff. Crazy. And then the finish, DC, the kick to the leg, and then he takes him down and then transition to the mounted triangle, which, by the way, I don't know if you saw the video, that's the way Khabib started his career with a mounted triangle submission. Oh. To end it like that is kind of mind-blowing. What did you think of the actual fight? Oh, it was it was insane, right? The pressure he put on Justin. The moment he got like comfortable, he put so much. Pre- I don't know if Justin hit him or what, but it's like he saw that there was really not that much threat. So then he started walking him down. The pressure, the punching, the jab, the stand up. I thought his stand up looked phenomenal. I thought his stand up looked fantastic. Got Justin to land a lot of leg kicks, but also absorbed them. Got takedowns. And when he got the fight to the ground, it just looked like they were on different levels, right? Like, it looked like he was just so much more advanced than than Justin. And Justin seemed lost. Even the first round, when he got up and he went for that arm bar, it's like immediately transition, right? You knew that if the fight went back to the ground, Habib would not be looking for ground and pound. He should go look for the submission. That's exactly what he did. It, it, was, it was his best performance to date. Now, he had lost the the first round on two judges scorecards like i was gonna bring that up how how ariel how i have no idea how i told habib this this is one funny moment yesterday he goes the submission brother this is crazy i go habib you had to at that point you were losing right because he had lost how like how had he lost that first round but there were a number of little things that played into uh the the justin gaethje submission right and i'm I'm grabbing my phone because i want to read this i spoke to habib yesterday and we were talking about it, and I said, I want to make sure I say it the right way. Okay. Um, he told me when he was watching the interviews over the course of the week, right, he saw that Justin said he would never tap. Justin would never tap. And so when he was going to the submission, he said, it's his dad's favorite submission, right? Wow. Getting to the mounted position, going to the arm bar, going to the triangle. Wow. He said it was his father's favorite submission. So when he got there, he was going to do the arm bar, but he had heard Justin all week saying he would never tap. And he didn't want to hurt him in front of his parents. So he went to the triangle and just kind of put him to sleep. What? He's thinking about this in that moment? He actually told me that, bro. He goes, I didn't want to hurt him in front of his parents. So I said, I'm going to go and put him in the triangle. And then if he goes to sleep, go to sleep, you wake up, you're fine. This is exactly what he told me. That's crazy, right? He did not want to hurt Justin in front of his parents. That gives me goosebumps. To have the, I mean, to be comfortable enough to think about this, in the moment, you know, like that's crazy. He he didn't want to break his arm because if Justin's not going to tap, you have to break it. And he didn't want to do that to him in front of his mom and dad. So said if I put him to sleep, he'll wake up and and everything will be okay. Wow, that is incredible. Um, and just speaks to the kind of guy that he is. But what about? Did you see? Like, have you seen the 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 slow mo version of him getting kicked in the leg and then like using that momentum to take him down and then to transition? Well, it was amazing. Yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't what he wanted to do. He didn't want to get like he got blasted with the leg kick and knocked off balance. So then he shot the shot. But but again, the fact that he's able to do that yes, is absurd. The takedown the takedowns are so natural to him, right? That when he was falling, he figured don't fall back, fall forward into the shot. Like I mean, yeah, it was beautiful. That but that's his mentality, right? That's his mind. It just works. Mm-hmm. Like it just works. Like the dude's good, man. He's so good. I I always wondered, right? So if you watch fights from the past, right, and guys that we had trained out of our gym, Cain Velasquez had that same type of style. Pressure, pressure, take you down, get in the clinch, beat you up, right? Get to the top position, ground and pound was insane. Cain was missing the submissions, right? If I got to those positions, take down right, I didn't have as much control. Luke Rockwood fought a little bit of a different style, but when he got on top, Luke was very good at floating the hips. I always wondered how would this look? 
if this style was done perfectly, if the person doing it had everything, that's Habib. That's Habib. He has the he has the knee control with his legs, right? All that control with the legs, he does it perfectly. He gets the takedowns with the pressure. I didn't I didn't get enough takedowns in in bulk like Habib. I wasn't willing to go and get twenty of them. He is. He also had all the submissions. Like it was like perfect. The style that he told me, I can't. It's crazy that now I'm retired. 2012. He goes on Friday. I get a text from Kane Velasquez. He goes, I remember when I went to AKA. I think Kane Velasquez is the greatest fighter of all time, right? And I've seen his style. I want to, you know, do that. I want to imitate this style. He goes, and then Friday, I get a text from Kane, a crazy message telling me I'm the greatest fighter of all time. He goes, I watched you guys as a kid, and now what you guys just praise, he goes, it's insane to me. But it's perfect. That style, he has he has mastered it. It's it's absolutely perfect. This is a, a selfish question, but isn't it a shame? I respect 100%, especially because it's his father, and I'm very close to my mom. You make a promise to your mom, you keep it. But isn't it a shame that we won't see him again anymore? Mm-hmm. Like, I want to yeah, see more sucks. of that, right? It sucks because it seems like he's just getting more dominant, right? Before, there were a lot of decisions, right? Kamal Shalaroos and and um, Gleason Tebow. People yeah. were like, well, he lost to run the Gleason Tebow. Yeah, when he was 1-0 in the UFC, he was 1-0, right? And Gleason Tebow had fought everyone. And that that talks to the level of competition Habib got right away, right? Kamal Shalaroos is an Olympian, and Habib got to fight him in his first fight in the UFC. So uh, that's the level of competition he had. And if you're going to kind of ding him for that, you're out of your mind. This guy has been at the top and fighting tough guys from start to finish. But as it's going on, his three title defenses, all finishes, mm-hmm. all finishes. Mm-hmm. Finish Conor McGregor, finish Dustin Poirier, and finish Justin Gaethje. And it went faster, fourth round, third round, second round. He was only getting better. Yeah. And, and he's leaving at the top of the sport. I guess that will add to his legacy. Now, this is a love fest. And rightfully so, he's getting all the praise. And I, I just can't help but think of all the, the trolls who continue to say that I hate Habib. Like, what can well, they're That's trying to find true. something? So let, I'll give them something, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll give them something because they can't find anything in the first 20 minutes. It was love. Habib owes that dude who uh, manned the scale on, on Friday. Oh, come something. on. So, I mean, come on, Ariel. Ariel, let me ask you something. <laughs> let me ask you something. Ariel, the man that says what the weight is is the man that has the final say. Dude sure. made weight. Because you don't know, everybody's reacting like, oh my goodness, the scale was going up to the, t- the scale was going to go up and then go back down to the middle. It doesn't matter. That happens all the time. It goes up and down and it sways back and forth. I just can't believe all these conspiracy theorists because no one can just be, they, that's that's the knock. You guys want to try to knock that man for making weight on the dot? I want to make, give I'm saying, Ariel, for making weight on the dot? If he was 155 flat, which he was, which he was, he was 155.0. That scale is going to go up, down, balance itself. So what? It didn't touch the top. The scale didn't touch the top. Once again, I got to ask people, when your eyes want you to see something bad in someone, it's going to tell you something wrong happened. So all these trolls, and I know what you're doing. You're trying to just mess with them. You don't believe this yourself. You're trying to just mess with these people on the internet. And they're going to be like, see, Ariel even said it. They're so crazy. You're trying to mess with them. But the reality is Habib Nurmagomedov stepped on that scale at 155 pounds, when he left the hotel, I saw him. I saw him get on the digital, and he was 155, got on the doctor scale, and it was 155 pounds. Yeah, and I'm happy. I mean, I think it's crazy sometimes that we, like, you know, get crazy about 0.2, 0.3. I'm, whatever happened, happened. I was just giving, you know, I was giving the trolls out there. <laughs> don't give them, don't. You got to stop well, giving the trolls stuff. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. How about this? So Saturday, everything was about 
Goat. Is he the greatest of all time? Here, I'll say right here now, he wanted it on Tuesday. I'll give it to him on Monday. He is the pound for pound king. I have Absolutely. voted every month. I vote for ESPN.com. It's myself, Brett Okamoto, Mark Ramondi, Jeff Wagenheim. And up until this point, I gave it to John Jones. This is the first time I'm giving it to Habib because of how John has looked as of late. I thought he lost to Dominic Grace and because of how great Habib has looked. Habib is the pound for pound king, but of course he's no more, but I'm still going to give it to him for now. He's the man. He's the pound for pound king. Now, the GOAT discussion is interesting. And speaking of John Jones, John, from me to you, my friend, from me to you, I won't even ask you about it, DC. Just from me to you, John, read the room, my man. Read the room. Like everyone, everyone is praising Habib on Saturday. I know you feel a little slighted, but the the litany of tweets telling everyone why you're the best, like save that for next week, my guy. Read the room. Give Habib his day. Give him his time in the sun and 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 state your case. I thought that was poor form on John Jones's part. Really, like just give the guy his moment. But let me ask you, is he the greatest of all time? Is Habib the man in your opinion? Number one. When I look at Habib and I, I look, man, everybody gets mad at me because they go, you just hate John Jones. No, I don't. It's not just it. Like the reality is if you have a bad test, I feel like it eliminates you. And I know people like, well, Pete Rose, and Barry Bonds, those guys should be in the hall of fame. Uh, no, if you cheated, you probably should look. Wait, I like Barry, Barry Bonds. Bonds or David Ortiz. Which hey, one? listen, listen. Also, wait, let me get to that. So Barry Bonds, right. Who I enjoyed, right. He played in the Bay area. Uh, the, the Giants is, is right up there. I think he's, he's a nice guy. And if you look at the Pittsburgh Pirates, Barry Bonnie probably was the best player in baseball before at that point, too. But when he was the Hulk, Barry, and he's knocking 75 home runs a year, something's going on. And if you're failing test after test after test, it eliminates you. You're out. I'm sorry. So when you talk about the athletes that are, are eligible, I think it boils down to GSP and it boils down to Habib. That's where I feel. I talk about GSP. I did it. I did an essay on Habib. George St. Pierre, he's a fantastic fighter, got two losses. One of his last fights was a split decision win against Johnny Hendricks, but he's a two-division champion. That's kind of what separates them a little bit. But when I look at him, man, George had close fights. Habib never really got challenged. And to get to 29-0, that's why I talk about mistakes, right? George made mistakes. George made a mistake in the Matt Serra fight. Because if he wouldn't have, Matt Serra would never have beaten him. He was better, right? Habib never made a mistake. So I think Habib is the greatest fighter of all time. It is a great case that you're making. But isn't it worth noting that at the end, GSP had nine title defenses successful, Mm -hmm. plus winning against Bisping, right? In the end, Habib just had those three that you mentioned. Let let me ask you a question, though. When when did How many fights in did George St. Pierre get his title fight? I'm just saying when you have the wait, belt, but that's the question. You're fighting how many the, fights in, but how many fights in did George St. Pierre get his title fight? I mean, maybe that's Corporate the question. Jake can tell us about Corporate that. Jake, um, if you don't mind, could you tell me how many fights before George fought for a title? Because it, this is and the reality. He lost his first title fight, and that was to Matt Hughes. That was one Absolutely. of the Absolutely. All right. So here's the question. So here's the question. Are you confident that Frankie Edgar or Benson Henderson would have beat Habib to Mega Metoff? No, that's what I'm saying. Right. So if he would have got remember, but it was harder. To, it was harder to say, give Habib a title fight back then because it was all decisions. It was a lot of injuries. The only time every, for, for a long time between 2014 and 16, the only time people saw Habib was on your show. Like that was it. Like the only well, time you. they saw him thank was when he came, because thank he was you. hurt. Right. He was hurt all the time. So he would be on your show. That's when people would see Habib. But are you certain those guys would have beat him? If he would have won that belt back then, he would have still gotten a 29-0 and defended the belt 12 times, 13 times. They would not have beaten him. It's a fair point. Okay, so GSP's fourth UFC fight Habib was, went nine. was a title fight. Yeah, Habib went nine. He had to wait longer. And he was ready before nine. He was okay, ready. So I'm going to give you – I break it into two lists. Tell me what you think of my list. I give you the PD list and the non-PD list. And what I mean by PD, I'm not trying to be funny, just people who have infractions, right? Yep. This is the PD list yep. right now for me. GSP mm-hmm. – Jones, Anderson, Daniel Cormier, Habib. And mm. why do I put him at the bottom? You went up, Anderson went They all went up, and I feel like that counts for something. Now, I also mm. don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. Maybe this changes in a year. Now, this is the non-PD list, okay? GSP, don't hate me. Daniel Cormier, Habib, mm. DJ, Fedor. That's so the non-PD my, list. You're my guy, and I appreciate that c- completely. You but, went twice. You went up. Yes, 
I appreciate you. But if I'm doing the PED list, right, the guys that have done stuff, if I if I am forced gun to the head, then I would say Habib is up. Habib. Okay. Then Jones. Then Jones. Then GSP. Then Anderson. And then Fedor. I would still put Fedor above myself. Non-PED list, I think you have uh, GSP, uh, Khabib, yep. GSP, DJ, Fedor, and then Henry Cejudo, myself, kind of sliding into that last spot. But if you're putting those guys that have done stuff, I'm, I'm out. Of, I'm out. I'm out. It may be further down, too, right? Because then you got to start thinking about the other guys that have won championships from the past that may have done uh, things wrong. So, but yeah, I think that Habib's number one guy in the pound pound list of all time, of all time. We've never seen dominance like this. Hey, Ariel, he's never yeah. been cut. He's, no, ne- he's never been dropped. He's ne- We have never been in the Habib Nurmagomedov fight and thought, oh my God, he might lose. Even the Conor, even the Conor fight, right? Conor may have won a round on the judges' scorecards, but how much do the judges' scorecards matter, being that they gave Justin the first round in that last fight? It's like, we never felt like he was going to lose. In a weird way, him leaving early and on top helps him and hurts him because he leaves with the perfect record. But also, for example, Anderson has the record for most wins to start a career 16 mm-hmm. in the UFC. He leaves with 13. He probably would have smashed it. But now, So it's a hard thing. It's a fun discussion. It's a fun yes. debate. We could debate it for many years. Now, let me ask you this. This is the big question now. So in the, in the UFC is now staring at life without Khabib. He was the gateway to the Middle East. He was the gateway to Russia. They did a deal in Abu Dhabi based on him. He fought in prime time. He brings out the luminaries. Well, now there's life after Khabib. Mm-hmm. And do you agree with me in this regard? I believe that the things at 155 have worked out perfectly for them. I, I, I don't think they want him to retire, but if he is going to retire and vacate the title, you got to make... Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier for the vacant belt, right? And then you got to make Ferguson versus Chandler and Gaethje versus maybe a Charles Oliveira. What do you think? You don't seem to agree. So if you want to do that, like, then you might as well make all eight and make it a big old tournament. But here's the deal. Don't make tournaments. But I know they don't, so it doesn't matter. But here's the deal. Conor and Dustin were talking about fighting at 170. All of a sudden, now it's going to be 55. Here's what I think on the the 55-pound discussion. Okay. To eliminate Justin Gaethje out of the championship fight right now because he lost to Habib, it's absurd, right? It's absurd. He was the interim champion. It's absurd. He's going to need some time. You no, give, him, doesn't need, give him the first fight after. No, I think, Justin, I think what you do is, right, you take Dustin Poirier, who was the interim champion before Dustin, or Justin. You put Justin Gaethje, who was the interim champion. The last two whoa, guys. Whoa, that whoa. Whole, You're cutting out, Connor? Listen, because, dog. When you think about when you think about the the weights and the wins at the division, right? I think you put those. I put this guy, this guy. If it, hey, I gotta be honest, if it's me, if it's me, I would love nothing more than for Connor to be in a title fight with Gaethje, right? But yeah, with all the retirement stuff and all the like, what happens if Connor does get the belt back? Does he just walk away for another year and then we're all kind of just waiting? Like, what happens? You know what I'm saying? Like, is Connor ready to come back and? Try to win a belt and then yes. defend, defend, defend. He as he to fight before. three times. We don't need to revisit this, but he wanted to fight three times this year. I get it. No, but I'm saying though, but it, but it, all I have is the facts that it didn't happen. So whether it was the UFC or McGregor, it didn't happen. So Pandemic. is he coming back to stay or is he coming back take the belt? Okay, well, what if he says I'm coming back to stay? You're then not. I would put him Dustin. in a title fight. If Connor's back to stay, I put him in there with Gaethje. What I about you're Gaethje. cutting out your boy from Lafayette? Bro, I love Dustin, but I'm saying you Gaethje was the champion, interim champion going this weekend. Why he was, can't he just fight the winner? I think Gaethje has to be in a title fight, bro. I think Gaethje needs to be in a title fight. He beat Tony Ferguson. He beat the man. Yes. He beat the man that was he supposed to be the man. The he got bro, his t- I get he it. Got his t- Dustin lost to Habib. Dustin hasn't really lost to anybody for a long time. Justin lost to Habib. Justin hasn't lost for a long time. If you're asking me, I am doing Gaethje versus Poirier, the last two interim champions. First of all, for the Poirier, UFC beat title. Poirier, Poirier beat him already, right? Yes, he has, which makes a lot of sense, right? That's the intrigue. Is Justin new? Can Dustin do it again? It just it, and it's a guaranteed fight. So you're the best way January twenty third plans. There's I'm, no more Conor. Justin Poirier. Gaethje said he can fight sooner. I'm trying to get him back in there early, or or I'm waiting until he's ready to fight him and Dustin Poirier. I just think that Justin Gaethje has to be a part of the title conversation. So what's Saturday the final night, answer? Because you're giving me two options. What's the so final Saturday answer? night I said, Saturday night I said, Gaethje versus the winner of McGregor-Poirier, right? But that's yeah. going to take too long. The belt will be on the shelf for too long. 
You got to pull one of them. No, no, no. And what if, if Conor Poirier fight for the belt and he fights the winner? So Justin Gaethje has to just sit on the side and wait? Well, he he typically says he likes to take four or five months in between Bro, fights. Bro, I'm, I'm putting Gaethje in the title fight. At some Gaethje needs to be in the title fight. Who so, does he? Yeah, but he is going to be in a title fight against the winner of that fight. He's, his but, next fight is for the belt. Bro, you want I'm him saying, to be fighting for the vacant title. I want him to be fighting for the vacant title as the guy that walked in there on Saturday as the interim champion. Okay, again, two. Pick a guy. Dustin Poirier. What? You're crazy. <laughs> the last two interim champions fighting so, for the belt. Who does Connor fight? Ferguson? Ferguson. Same night. Okay. Yeah, okay. So Connor's going to be co main event. All right, have you Connor, lost? Hey. Connor's the main event. Connor's the main event over the belt? Yes, Connor's totally the lost. main event. <laughs> Connor's the main event over the belt. Connor's well, the main event. Connor's bigger than the belt. That was no. the problem. Connor's the main event. Yes, because you're missing what I'm saying. I, I get just, what you're saying. No, you're missing. No, say. because you're trying to you're trying to steer me down this path. The reality is I don't know how often Connor's going to fight. If this is the Connor McGregor from back then that fought anytime, anywhere, sure. Put him in a title fight right now. Because he'll be around, he'll be fighting, he'll be defending. Look, Habib hasn't fought much, right? Yeah. Habib hasn't hasn't fought much because of Ramadan. Like 2019, he fought once. 2020, he fought once. Like, do we want to have the belt on the shelf for a year again? Like, I know it's gonna sound like, oh, you had no problem with it when your friend had the belt, but no. it's like, what if Conor like doesn't? What if Conor decides to box? And he takes the UFC title to a boxing match. I don't. I don't know. Later, here's the thing: Conor Poirier is a massive fight. You you don't really need a belt for that fight. Because I think we both agree that Connor's a draw with or without the yes. belt, just look at the Cerrone fight. But you sprinkle a little title there, you get Connor in a title fight. Okay, things worked out. Let's say he wins. He beat Dustin, different guy. Okay, let's say he wins. Now all of a sudden he gets on the mic. Maybe he calls out Khabib. Maybe you have a chance to revisit. I'm not saying Khabib comes out, but I'm just saying him with the belt is probably good for the UFC. No, is it oh, not? It absolutely is. Gaethje. Him it versus absolutely Gaethje. is. Him Connor versus with the belt. Look at me. Connor, look at me in the face right now. You and Connor both, because Connor's going to say something. Connor with the belt is a good thing if he's there to fight consistently. That's it. If he's there, I think he's there to fight consistently. I do. Well, if you're so sure of that, then yes, Connor with the belt is good. But you cannot cut out Justin Gaethje, man. And dog, I'm not saying both, to cut him out. I'm listen, saying he fights the both, winner. If both of these dudes had titles, if they were both interim champions, let him fight for the belt. That's what I feel like. You are the last two guys to hold a portion of that belt outside of Habib Nurmagomedov. Let's see the, which of you two can carry the full crown. That's my thought. Because when Habib wasn't around, Ariel, those two guys showed that they were better than everybody else to get to the interim championship. How does that? How does this not make sense? Not make sense to you? It, it makes sense. I just feel like he likes to take time off. He likes to take time off. Let those. He two told guys us on play. Saturday he wanted six weeks. I'm going off his word. Historically, he likes to take time off. I think the UFC has a predict a good predicament. They've got yes. the, the biggest names in the game vying for that belt, itching to get in there. Let's see how it plays out. We got to move on to other things. Ariel, I looked at I looked at the rankings and I was like, bro, it's a good division. A it's still going to be major fun, right? Because like Chandler, if, if the belt can, if the belt can be elevated by anyone, it's if McGregor gets a hold of that title, right? Because no one's as big a star as Connor. You know, and Habib was like, you know, on that level. Nobody else matches Habib and Connor at this point. But if Connor gets his hold of the hold of the belt, then it becomes it's it's legitimate right away again. Okay. Um, let's move on. By the way, why? shout out why? Talk to Corporate Jake. I don't know. They 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 got a plank to catch or something. Maybe okay, you have okay. a plank to catch. You have a plank I to do, catch. I do, I do. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Phil Haas, Volkov, Murphy, Ankalaev, Bam Bam Tuivasa. Bam! I mean, they all looked fantastic, but we have to talk about Robert Whitaker. Mm-hmm. And now you talk about you talk about predicaments. Here's the thing. Robert Whitaker just lost to Izzy a year ago. He's 2-0. He looked great, looked phenomenal against Jared Kennanier. Now the UFC says, Dana White in particular says, yeah, that's appealing. 
DC, let me tell you, it's not appealing to Izzy. So now really? we, have, we have an issue. What do you do? Because Izzy's now talking, and his coach has talked about this as well. Eugene Behrman came out and said, we don't want to run a bad, why? Why do we have to run a bad? We just beat the guy. Let's go up and get Jan's title at 205. Really? Yes, but doesn't it look weird if for the longest time we were trying to get him to fight John Jones at 205 and now John is gone and now he goes up to fight. Yep, yep, yep it does. It's not a good look for Izzy. It looks it's not a good look. It's not a good look for Izzy, right? Because why not fight I, Hermanson Till winner then if you don't want to fight Whitaker? But bro, like I'm glad you said it because we love Izzy over here, right? A lot of times we fawn over Israel Asanya. If he goes up and fights Bohovich when he has kind of refused to fight Jones at this point because he said he wanted to take time to build into the weight class to clear out his division, not a good look. That tells me you don't want to fight the guy. That tells me you don't want to fight the guy. I th- I told you a couple weeks ago, it's hilarious what he's doing because he won't fight Jones. So the way he kind of pokes at him and prods him, but if he goes up to 205 and gets a hold of that belt, there is no way around him fighting John Jones. So it's going to happen because the moment Jones says, I want to go to 205, the UFC should feel almost obligated to give him a title shot, right? And even though I don't like the guy, if he says I'm back at 205, immediately any contenders, any number one fights, they all go out the window. He steps right into the title shot. Edisonia gets a hold of that belt. Trust you me, Jones will be back to fight him the moment he can. So isn't that maybe a good thing? Should the UFC then do it and forget about Whitaker? It's a good thing. It's a good thing for the fans. And then forget about Whitaker. Forget about Whitaker and just let Izzy go I up think, to him. Bro, I think the way Roberts look, man, he, he has earned it. But here's the thing about Whitaker. If you ask Whitaker about another title fight, he'll be like, okay. But if you say, no, you got to fight somebody else, he'll be like, okay. He's I don't think the most, he being champ, right? Well, it, bro, it's a lot of stress. Like you said earlier in the show, mm-hmm. like it's a lot of stress. And he went through some wars with Romero. He went through some wars with a lot of guys to hold on to that title. And what did he do immediately after he lost the belt? He took a nine-month break. Yeah. He got away. You know, he's got three children and another one on the way in January. Like, Robert Whitaker's living a good life and fighting and competing better than he has in a long time because there's just no stress. I was talking to him in a fighter meeting, and he said, if they want to give me a title fight, sure, whatever, if they don't. I was like, Rob, is this a new thing? He goes, no, I just never would say it publicly. He goes, I'm so free now from all that extra that I can just say this publicly and not really care about it. So then do Izzy versus the winner of Till slash Hermanson in December. And then if he beats that guy, then maybe he goes up to 205 and fights Jan. Jan's where, do you not fighting. Go, where do you go with Rob? Because the reality is you cannot not do anything with Robert Whitaker. He needs to still be active. Then he doesn't want to fight for the title. Give him no, he never said he doesn't want to. He said he's not going to just pine for it. He's not going to be He's not going to be everybody else. Like, bro, we, we all do it, right? We, right. we beg. We, we plead. Can I get a title shot? Can I get a title shot? He's not doing that. And there's something honorable about that. Like when my time comes, I'll get it. You know, I like that. Man, business is good right now. They've it's got good. a lot of options. They've hey, business is good for the UFC right now. Things are, bro, when I came back from Abu Dhabi, like, it's like you're flying. Like, things are so good. And I'm in line to call some massive fights in the very near future. Regardless of what happens at lightweight, I am going to be calling fantastic fights. Middleweight, fantastic fights. It's going to be great. Yeah. Just want the fans to come back because those fights feel even bigger with them there. By the oh, way, quick, hey, yeah, Habib's fight the other day had a few people in there, and it's when he won, they started cheering. I know, I know, it was weird. Did you, hear, did you asked, guys hear that on TV? I, I asked the UFC if there were two hundred people in there, and uh, they told me no, twenty. I was like, what? It there sounds were twenty like, people. Yes, twenty extra. Twenty extra. Okay, yeah. twenty extra, but there were like a hundred people in the building. Yes, yeah, so talking, and everything. you hear, you hear right. talking, you hear like the noise. You can hear it on TV. Oh, I could hear it noticeably. It Notice. was great. Like, it was great. Hey, by the way, shout out to the good people at the W in Abu Dhabi. I didn't even have to leave my oh. house. And they're giving me they're giving me praise. They're giving me murals on the wall. I know they watch us. It's very nice. Yeah. I look forward to getting my cake next year. You better have it ready for me on ice. All I'm saying is I appreciate the gesture of the good people at the That's W in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, they were, man, W in Abu Dhabi was unbelievable. I, I could never have imagined um, it, it would have been that good a trip. It, it was It was crazy. Okay, now we have to get serious here for a second because DC on Friday, we actually talk, believe it or not, to the people, we talk a lot. I mean, it's getting to the point where it's like 10 times a day. So we're talking about other things going on. DC, on Friday morning, I said to you, Leon Edwards, who I, who I have been working so hard to salvage his great career, 
The guy's won eight in a row. I've worked so hard over the past, what, 16 months to keep him relevant, to get him title fights, to get him number one contender fights. I said to you, Leon Edwards has put out the blueprint as to how to torpedo one's career. I was so did say frustrated. This. I was frustrated. Let me tell the people what happened very quickly. Leon Edwards on Thursday turned down a fight against Hamza Chemaev, said that the fight didn't make sense. He was unranked. At that point, according to my sources, he had turned down four fights since July. Short notice fight against the champion Kamar Usman in July. Then they offered him Colby Covington after Tyron Woodley was for a moment, you know, not ready, but eventually we got Woodley versus Covington. Then they offered him Jeff Neal, said no to that because he was blown. Then they offered him Hamza on December 19th. As a result of this, they took him out of the rankings. He was ranked third. Now, let me just say this. I think the UFC rankings are a joke. I don't give any credence to them. I don't believe in them. There's no credibility. I don't even know who ranks these things. So I didn't care about the rankings thing. This just adds to that. Like this just proves that the UFC will do whatever they want with the rankings. However, I'll also say this. I agree or agreed with the UFC being upset. At that point, you're like, bro, we just, we offered you a title fight. We offered you the number one contender. We offered you a prospect and then another prospect. Like what more do you want? So I agreed with their reaction. Like to me, people were getting mad about the rankings. Who cares about the rankings? We all know that they're silly. They mean nothing. They did it to Nate Diaz. I don't care about that. But I agree. I want this to be clear. I agreed with the UFC being mad. What happens after that, DC? He goes on Twitter and says, I didn't turn anyone down and I'm still ranked. I'm like, yo, you're not ranked. And you turn down four people. And then what happens the next day, Friday, he accepts the Hamzad fight. He's back in the rankings. They're fighting in the main event of December 19th. I hate how we got to this point, but I actually love the fight. This all happened? All yeah. this stuff that you said happened? I know you told me Leon, like, messed up his career, like, messed up his ranking. But, like, so, yeah. Well, I saw that him and Hamzad was made. But I yeah. didn't know all this underlying stuff happened to get there. Yeah. Uh Great fight, great fight. I mean, we find out very soon how real Hamza Chimaev is. Um, and we find out how real Leon is too. No, Leon, Leon's real, right? This this fight, this fight does not determine whether or not Leon's real. Leon's real. The wins that he's had to he win has to eight remind in a row. people. July hmm? of 2019 was his last fight. Yeah, but 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 to win the fights that he's won, Leon's real. I think this this speaks more to Hamzad. But if Hamzad goes through Leon and he buzzes through him, he gets a title fight. I hope everybody understands this, that you're going to have a guy that's in the UFC in four fights with 10 fights total on his career. He'll be fighting for the belt because he should be fighting for the belt. If he beats Leon, yeah. a guy that's won eight in a row in impressive fashion, I'd be worried if I'm Gilbert Burns and everybody else in the welterweight division because – this kid will have so much momentum that he will go right into a championship fight against Kamaru Usman. And you cannot deny him because if he gets past Leon Edwards, it'll be deserved. But you don't just get past Leon Edwards. Let's be honest with ourselves. And I, I read an article this morning on the airplane about Chemayev and, and Leon. And I said, it said the odds started. The odds makers put Leon as a minus 160, Hamzat as a plus 150 on the odds. This thing has flipped completely. Hamzat is 150 negative. Leon's plus 160 now. People are going crazy over this young man. They're now betting that a guy who has nine professional fights can beat Leon Edwards, who has won almost as many fights in a row in the UFC, opposed to a guy that has nine fights completely. It's crazy how much faith the general public has in Hamzat Chimaev. On the flip side... Leon should get a title shot if he wins. Leon definitely deserves a title fight. That's the one thing I don't want to see, Ariel. I don't want Leon Edwards to beat Hamza Chimaev if he does, and they go, well, you beat a guy that's unranked. That's Hey, you forced him into this position because you believed in Hamza Chimaev. You thought you had the goods. If Leon beats this guy, he should back into a title fight. That's the only thing that's fair. So I, I said he torpedoed the career. He salvaged it. Leon, you know I love you, buddy. I'm trying to help you. Good on you for taking the fight. Shut everyone up. Get that W because you believe in yourself. And now they can't deny you anymore. And so I love mm -hmm. this fight. And what a perfect way to end 2020. DC, this will be the last fight of this 
insane year. Leon Edwards, who we've been talking about, who who had his fight canceled the first week of the pandemic, right, against Woodley, ends the year against the star of the year, right, the rising star who broke through this year. It just makes sense. It's symbolic of the year in many respects. And look, I get he's not ranked, but the guy is way more influential than any ranking could could boost him right now it's the fight to make it's the fight that makes sense i wish they didn't have to play the games with the rankings and all that but in the end the ufc gets what they want and i give leon a lot of respect and i give neil magny by the way a lot of respect because he was sitting there with his hand raised the whole why time why didn't like, they do magny they didn't they didn't think it would it would result in a good fight look they're trying to make hums out into a star let's be real right and so I think that, you know, maybe they've, isn't that crazy? They chose Leon Edwards over Magny. Leon Edwards is tough, man. I, you, if you underestimate Leon Edwards, you're crazy because Rocky is as good as they come. Wow. What a fight. What a fight. All right. So that's the last fight of 2020. We do have to mention and talk about emotions and the roller coaster of the week. We do have to mention that this week we go from Habib potentially, you know, done saying he's done right now. And I'll respect him for that. Oh, man. To Anderson Silva. A week later, now five days later, the guy who has the record for the mm. most victories to start a UFC career, the, one of the greatest champions of all time, I mean, Anderson Silva, everyone knows. The first ever Halloween show, by the way, in UFC history is headlined by the spider, Anderson Silva, which feels kind of funny, going up against Uriah Hall. Is this it for Anderson? He said, look, he said this is it, but then he he put some qualifiers there. He says, last fight for me in the UFC. I heard I, that. I even asked his manager, is this really it? He goes, he says that, but you know Anderson, he changes his mind. Do you believe this is really it for Anderson Silva? I've take, I take I take these guys at their word, right? When someone tells me, hey, I'm done, and you start making it public, it feels like it's real. And if it's done, it's done. Um, sad, though, right? It just reminds me of a time that, at the time, that everybody's kind of phasing out. And it kind of sucks, right? Because everybody's from this golden era of mixed martial arts. I remember... My very first UFC event was Anderson Silva beat Forrest Griffin in Philadelphia. I was there with Cage Fighter with Mike DeSabato. Um, I walked into that arena and I sat there when Ain't No Sunshine by DMX came on and the place went mad. Roy Jones was there, who at the time was one of the best boxers in the world because he wanted to fight Anderson. I just was thinking to myself, this guy is bigger than the, this sport. He's bigger. He's the first guy that I felt transcended the UFC. And now, fast forward 11 years, and it's pretty much done, you know? He fought Forrest in, like, August or something of 2009. And now, as we fast forward almost 11 years, Anderson Silva's going to be done. That's that's crazy. It's just sad, right? Like, we've seen in the last decade uh, a lot of great champions come, and now they're starting to kind of head out of the game. Man, what a run. He debuts against Chris Lieben on a fight night, not even in the main event. He does the little dance. He beats him in like 40 seconds, gets a title shot, annihilates Rich Annihilates him. Kills his nose, beats him up twice, (laughs) right? Then has the fights against Dan Henderson, which were great. And then you'll recall there was a little period there where the UFC like couldn't stand him. Dana couldn't stand him. Patrick Cote fight, Talos Ladies fight at 97. The, The Griffin fight was in response to the Talos Ladies fight because everyone was like, all right, we need to have Forrest Griffin you know, he fights up and fights Forrest Griffin, who's going to bring the fight to him, right? And he just, like, breaks. Demolished him. Breaks him. Killed then he, comes, he responds to that fight with the Damian Maya shenanigans. That and was I've never seen one. Dana White more upset. And then every, I remember interviewing Dana White that night and being like, are you going to put him in there against Brock Lesnar? Because, like, we were all like, you need to put him in there against someone who's going to break him. Who do they put him in there against? Our pal, Chael P. The American, yeah, the American gangster. Hey. And what a scene that was. Greatest. Hey, we all we all we all have these rivals and we hate these guys. But greatest portion of his career was the Chael Sonnen phase, as was mine with Jones. Like it's like you hate the guy, but it's the best phase of his career was with Chael. Most memorable for sure. Oh, he was three minutes away or two and a half minutes away from losing. Follows that up with to me the moment that I thought really transcended him, like where he turned the corner to me, the Vitor Belfort kick. Oh, yeah, kicked him in his face. That was a big deal in Brazil because it was the past meets present. He was being treated as a big star in Brazil for the first time. Showed up to the Waynes with the Jabberwockies mask. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Legendary. The kick to the face. And let's not forget, in the midst of all of this, fought you at UFC 200. Yeah, remember right on, on 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 two days' notice. <laughs> and I had that – hey, I had that moment too. Ariel, I had that moment. I stood across the octagon and I go, that's Anderson Silva. Like, I, it happened to me. I was like, there's no way. I'm just going to beat him. I'm going to beat him up and – I was like, that's Anderson Silva. Then the dude kicks me in the side. I, that was the first time I've like actually had the, that type of reaction. Like, ah, 
And I go, I ran away from Anderson. It was like, it was weird. Me and Big Nog were talking about this the other day. He was like, yes, Anderson, he kicked with his toes. I was like, I know, like, I know because it hurt. But um, man, I know I always say stuff like when you have a bad test, you're eliminated from the, I enjoyed Anderson Silva. I think he's the man. I lo- I like him as a person. I think he's a cool guy, you know, and I think that his fighting, st- it, it always, it speaks for itself. But it seems like it's always the guys who don't need to do anything extra that always kind of do the, the thing that's extra. But mad respect to Anderson, man, and it's sad that he's going away. Yeah, I hope if he wins against Uriah Hall, who has looked good and with a new team now, Fortis MMA, I hope he walks away. You know, when I was talking to GSP on Saturday, and big ups to my guy GSP for coming on, it was just so nice for my soul to talk to him after the Habib fight. Yeah. Referring to people who don't know when to say when, and you can make the case that Anderson probably should have retired a little while ago, but if he's able to get this win and walk out on top, I think it would go a long ways towards restoring some of that legacy. And I don't think we ever want to see our, our heroes and the guys who help make the sport go out on a stretcher as, as so many great fighters. do. Yeah. So they go out on their backs. Say, yeah. They generally go out on their backs and Anderson hasn't had to do that yet. He's lost fights. But we haven't had to see him just get demolished. But how about this one, though? Him and Uriah Hall. Remember, everybody thought, oh, this kid, Uriah Hall, is going to be the next Anderson the next Silva. Time, yeah. I mean, this is poetic justice, right? This is the best thing. Like, it would be like Isaiah Ryder uh, playing in a dunk contest. Remember what they used to call him the uh, next Jordan or something like that? Yeah, you mean Harold Minor. Harold Minor. Harold Minor. Harold Minor. Harold Minor. Baby Jordan. Baby Jordan playing Mike in a one-on-one, you know, or going crazy on or having or watching Kobe in the all-star game, just kind of go right at Mike as the, as I was trying to kind of switch hands. You know, it's like, those are the type of things that you kind of live for. And I feel like we're in one of those situations right now. Uh, what a great fight that is. And I can't believe we're actually getting to see it in, in five days. And I'm happy that Anderson is back. It's been a huge honor covering his career. I was there at UFC 134 in Brazil when he beat Okami. I was there at 153 in Brazil when he beat Stefan Bonner. The the reaction to him, especially after the Belfort fight in Brazil and getting to cover those fights is something I'll never forget. By the way, you can watch UFC Destin. They they followed Silva and Hall uh, leading up to this fight on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, and by the way, a great fight in the co-main. Bryce Mitchell and Andre Touchy Feely. I love that. They got Bryce's camo shorts too. They got his camo shorts. We're going to see that? Yeah, they got his camo shorts. I love it. Bryce is in there. I love it. Way to deliver. And by the way, uh, way to deliver, my guy. I just want to give a quick shout out to my guy, Dwayne Johnson, for the tweet this past week. It was nice to interact. Oh, yeah, right? (laughs) I shot my shot on the back end. I didn't get a reply on that one, (laughs) so I may have shot an air ball. But uh, still nice to get that recognition from the man. And also a great week coming up. Uh, Gegard Mousasi against Douglas Lima in a really big That's a big fight. Douglas Lima is the man. Moving up to 185 to fight for the... uh, the vacant 185 Bellator title. That happened uh, in Bellator recently, and the, the smaller guy got demolished. I yeah, Rory like, McDonald. Yeah, Rory got beat up bad by Masasi, right? Yep. He got beat bad, so I don't know what's going to happen with uh, Douglas Lima, but he is he is fantastic. Uh, DC, so much stuff has happened. Uh, you were in the air for a lot of it. So much has happened. Uh, uh, Bella Mir got her first. Yeah, she got uh, it done. Win. Congratulations to her. Ken Shamrock was inducted into the Impact Wrestling Hall of and Fame. And The Rock was on the video, right? The, the Rock was on the video. Eye, by the Ken way. Shamrock is crazy. Okay, I'm noticing. Um, Mason Jones signed with UFC, who I talked about a couple of weeks ago, the Cage Warriors double champ. Alex Pajeda, the guy who knocked out Izzy. Uh, is returning to MMA, signed with LFA. There's just so much going on. Even your guy, Roman Reigns, uh, won last night. He cheated, but uh, he won. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, Hell in the Cell. I didn't see it. I was on the plane. That's right. That's right, man. So, and, and he, uh, King Mo telling me about you uppercutting some guy in Dagestan yeah. and almost starting a riot. I mean, What's wrong just, with you, it, Yeah, we were wrestling. The guy poked me in the eye, so I punched him. It was just the way it is. Those <laughs> wrestling matches back in the day, man, we used to go at each other and we got to go to Mahashkala um, and wrestle. But they told me that when you go there now, it's a completely different. Uh, the venues, that venue is like outdated and small. They built a massive venue and a lot of it um, is with this influx of popularity the region has gotten with these great fighters. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. 
Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. So what do you do now? You, you go home and sleep for a week? You, well, exhausted? right now I go home. I, I, I get to hang out with my kids. I go to wrestling practice tomorrow. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm ready to be home. I miss my children. I'm pretty sure my daughter is double the size as to when I left her, you know, so uh, we're going to see, you know, I'm excited to get home and see my family. I miss them all so much. But overall, the experience on Fight Island capped with Habib winning the way in which he did, you would say a positive one. Fight Island was fantastic. I mean, I could have never imagined it would be uh, so good. You know, they treated us like kings the whole time. And the travel was great. The UFC knocked it out of the park. Congratulations, guys. Dana, uh, you guys did, I mean, something that no one else could have possibly pulled off. So great job. I have to say a little bit disappointed. I thought you would say, like, it was great, but what would have made it better was having my guy, A.H., by my side. You know, Oh, like just, no, just, no, it's okay. I, I have other friends. You know, I got some other friends that I hung out with. So, yeah. You know, I mean, like, it would have been fun. We could have gone <laughs> to the beach together. I never went to the beach one time, bro. I was there for, for 16 days. I never went to the beach. Why? I never went one time. I just hang out, man, watch TV, play video games. Like you eat a lot because you made a joke about this. I ate a lot, bro. Okay. You said, Nate, I can't wait to get home and get in the sauna. Got to kind of get a cleanse going. A cleanse going. And don't let these guys like Michael Chiesa bully you. I mean, these bros are in there. I mean, are you kidding me? You guys got to leave Chiesa alone, man. Hey, I love my fans. And when Chiesa picked on me, they rushed to my defense. But don't do it to him, man. He's just getting started. He's trying to just bust balls, you know, like be like everybody else. So give, give give Chiesa a break. He did a good job. I was very proud of him. All right. So to wrap it all up, Habib will never fight again, correct? No, I don't think he's. I don't think he's gonna fight again. And wow. it's, it was sad, but I'm happy for my guy. I'm proud I of. I tell you, man, I was emotionally spent. I can't imagine how you felt on Saturday, seeing a grown man cry for his father like that. It really did remind. If anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, 1996, yeah. Michael Jordan, Father's Day, laying on his fight. back, just hugging, clutching the trophy. To see a grown man turn into a kid just because he misses his dad, and and knowing that we saw his dad by his side the last time he was in there, it was it was strange. It was surreal. It was sad. The whole thing was just, it's one of those moments I can very confidently say we will be talking about that night forever, for as long we'll as we never forget it. I went back and right after the show ended, I had like five minutes between the post show. I went into Habib's locker and I gave him a big old hug and everybody just was red eyed. And we took some photos and it was just the perfect like capper for a great weekend, a great week, actually, or two weeks. It was fantastic. When you guys were, like, hugging and taking the photos, did everyone say, like, call Ariel, like, get him on FaceTime? So <laughs> no, that was not no. once nobody ever said that. I guess we forgot about you. All right. Well, DC, thank you for doing this. I appreciate you squeezing us in uh, among all the, the flights and, and everything. You're the consummate pro. You really <laughs> are. I don't care what anyone says about you. I try to be, baby. I try to be. You know, if we were in the same room, I would kiss you, dare I say. Don't ever. Listen, listen <laughs> don't kiss me. Don't ever cheek. try to kiss don't me or hug me. I told that. you. No, don't. Don't ever try to do anything like that. Shout out to Robert Pearson. He got married secretly over the oh, weekend. Congratulations, my guy, Robert. The man, Roberts. Stop Robert saying his name Pearson. wrong. Sorry, muzzle tough to him and his beautiful bride. Uh, thanks to everyone who continues to support us, downloading, subscribing, reviewing, rating, all the things that you do. It means a lot. It allows us to do the show. We love you all. DC, love you too. Have a great week at home. Back next week, same time and place. Till I say, pace. We're out of here.